I'm Ken Canera, and this is Beyond Consulting, the only podcast dedicated to your career, health, and wealth after consulting. This week, we welcome Maria Anafro to the studio. Maria is the VP of Product Delivery at Data Gumbo. Maria, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, nice to be here. Excellent. Maria, first things first, would love for you to just give a little bit of background in terms of your career story and kind of how you ended up where you are. Sure. So I was one of those people who fairly early on had a career in mind in IT and as a computer programmer, and I actually stayed with it pretty much the whole time, even through consulting. So I graduated from college with a management information systems degree and went to work as a programmer for an insurance company. And after a couple of years of that, it was I was learning a lot, but it was kind of slow moving. And so I was thinking, oh, should I go into graduate school and get another degree? or maybe I'll just get a more challenging job. So I decided to actually go into consulting. And so I joined Ernst & Young back in the 90s. And at the time they had not just audit and consulting, but they had custom software development. And so that's the group I was in. And so we did various things for a couple of years. So I was able to do both consulting and software development kind of together. And like some other firms, they had like a center of excellence kind of thing. And so we were you know, building projects for clients at the center as well as on-site at customers. So I learned a lot doing that. And then after a couple of years, I thought, wow, I'm really on the road a lot and it's kind of <laughs> wearying, you know, as it is for a lot of people. And I thought, gosh, I should probably go somewhere where the business model doesn't require me to be on a plane every week. And so I, you know, this was right at the dot-com era in the late nineties. And so I decided to join a startup software company and so I did that and was there for a couple of years through a couple of acquisitions and did that for a while. And then, you know, on to other smaller software companies within the energy space in Houston and kind of leads me to where I am today. I had another stint at consulting before my current job where I worked for a boutique consulting company. We had about 25 people and we really specialized in certain energy specific software. So that was interesting too. It enabled us to go really deep in certain, you know, business functions and with certain sets of clients and really solve some interesting problems there. And then now I'm back on the pure SaaS software space working for Data Gumbo. We're bringing blockchain to the energy industry. Excellent. All right. So tell us more about that. What does that mean, blockchain to the energy industry? Yeah, so there's a lot of yeah, a lot of buzzwords there, but I'm going to try to spare you most of those. Yeah, so specifically our flavor of blockchain is we're automating processes using IoT data. So this is like data from the field, like for instance, if you're drilling for oil offshore, you've got all these systems that run those processes and are throwing off a lot of data. And you know, over the last 10 years, data collection from the field has gotten so much cheaper. The communication systems have gotten so much better. So all this data, as everybody knows, is pouring in from the field. And so rather than people manually generating invoices for these services, we're taking that IoT data, running it through a smart contract backed by the blockchain, storing all the data on the blockchain so both parties can see it and automatically making an invoice, sending it straight through to the people's ERP systems. We've got an SAP connector, can basically automate the invoice, send it all the way through to their SAP system. So. It's a process improvement, it's a technology accelerator. And so we think it's a way really to make blockchain relevant for large companies and not just like a crypto thing. There's no, for us, we have a custom built blockchain that's purpose specific, you know, to solve some real business problems. 
So we can do more than just automating invoicing, but that's one that seems like a lot of people could use help doing that. And for our listeners that aren't necessarily familiar with blockchain, could you just explain what that means at a very high level? Sure. So blockchain is a way to have like a write only database. Like so most databases, you can change the data, right? The thing about blockchain is it's a shared ledger and every participant has their own copy of that ledger. So everybody can see the transactions that happen on the ledger and the transactions are all linked. And that's what the chain part comes in. So like if I write a transaction and then the second transaction has a link to the first, they share keys. And then the third one has a link to the second, et cetera. And so everybody has their own copy of all this data. And so theoretically, you could use it for many different business solutions or whatever. So it's a shared ledger. In our case, we have several distributed ledgers for our customers. Like it's not one big one. Like, you know, Bitcoin is one big ledger. And it takes anonymous transactions. There's different flavors of blockchain. For us, we use a private blockchain that we built ourselves so we don't have to support anonymous transactions. If you've heard some of the concerns about like people doing data mining and it takes a lot of energy because they have to show proof of work to write to the blockchain. And because the transactions can be anonymous, there's a high barrier to writing to the blockchain. It's part of the security model. For us, since our blockchain is private, we don't have that requirement. So we use sort of a lighter version of the blockchain where everybody has a copy But for us, as people who already agreed to do business with each other, they have a blockchain between them. And so it's something they could build themselves right now. It's just we've found a lot of big companies don't want to dedicate a large IT staff to build their own blockchain and talk to their counterparties about it. So for us with Data Gumbo, we've made a platform that's sort of blockchain enabled. We've got a lot of business scenarios pre-built and they can come in and just execute their business on our platform without managing all the back end themselves and managing all the nodes and all that. Okay. And so correct me if I'm wrong, but so the advantage of using a blockchain technology here would be both security as well as transparency. Is that right? Yes. Yes. The transparency is really big. So if you think of the example of like you bill somebody for services at the end of the month. So for instance, like if somebody's delivering some material out to an oil well, and then at the end of the month, they get a bill of, hey, somebody dropped off 20 truckloads. They're going to have to verify that that invoice was correct usually calling their engineers, hey, did this really happen? Did you get 20 truckloads? But so what we're doing now is we can get a reading from the tank itself. Let's say a truck was delivering to a tank. The trucking systems, the truck drivers are already tracking how much they dropped off. And through their automated systems, we can get a feed from the trucking company of what materials were dropped off and where and in what quantities. And then we can get a data feed from the tanks on site to say, oh, on this day, look like somebody injected 50 gallons of chemical or what have you. And then we've got a smart contract written that matches according to whatever business rules they have. Like, let's say if it's within two hours, if the data matches within two hours and 10% of the volume matches, then they'll say, we'll agree to pay this automatically. And so then you don't need your accountants or your engineers verifying that invoice after the fact. We're pre-verifying it. And then because we're using data from both parties, we put that on the blockchain so everybody can see, both parties can see what data was used to calculate that invoice. And if anything didn't pass one of the business rules, we'll flag it. And then a person can look at the flagged ones and say, okay, that one looks you know close enough to pay or they've delivered to the wrong place. We're not going to pay that one. 
So it's a really a back office automation that really increases efficiency. Excellent. No, thanks for walking through that example, because I think a lot of buzzwords, are. it's like we all hear about blockchain, crypto, people talk AI, machine learning. But I, I always find like a real example usually kind of paints the picture so much better. And I guess, are you seeing other applications for the technology outside of the energy industry? Or is it by choice you've just really kind of focused in that particular niche? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of applicability and our vision is to grow it across industries, but we're starting with energy. There's so many opportunities there to improve the processes, especially for expensive processes. So we're focusing there since that's where a lot of our connections are and there's so much work to be done. Excellent. Excellent. And Maria, so you're a VP of product delivery. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm in charge of the software developers for our product team. Okay. And I contribute a lot on the product side as well. And then sometimes I help out with projects if needed, customer implementation projects to get them in. So it's always good, even when you're on the product side, it's always good to understand your customer's problems. And sometimes the best way is to be on the front line of that. Okay. And a lot of our listeners are interested in, for example, like product management, right? How is, I guess, someone who manages product delivery different and or the same from someone who's a quote unquote product manager? Yeah, so I'm actually in the group with the product managers. At various times, we've had someone separate doing that. Right now, we don't. So being in a small company, there's always opportunities to, you know, so it kind of depends on how big the company is, whether you'll have someone separate as a product manager. Sometimes it's called product owner. In Scrum, you'll see product owner as a title a lot too. And sometimes it, you know, can go up to like chief product officer, but they're all kind of, you know, sliding on the same skill set there. So I have been a product manager before for other software companies I've worked at. So it's a good way to sort of, you know, your main job is making sure that the product is doing what it needs to do. And then you'll hear product roadmap a lot. That's when you schedule what are the changes we want to build into the product, slating them into a timeline. You'll be checking in with your customers to prioritize what's important to them or if there's regulatory changes in the market or just other, you know, needs that are coming up. You know, like for instance, like the big move to cloud in the last 10 years, there were some software products that were all what we call on-premise installed. And then as the new companies were coming in being cloud native, you know, there were a lot of legacy software companies that all of a sudden said, oh, we need to figure out how we can move our existing products into the cloud. So if you were a product manager at one of those companies, you would need to start figuring out how to do that. How would you, you know, are your customers okay with not having the software within their company anymore. At the time, I worked with a lot of trading customers. We had a lot of energy trading systems I worked on a lot of my career. And so when cloud first came out, our customers were like, no way we're gonna move to the cloud. <laughs> like they wouldn't even give us sample data a lot of times, like we'd need to troubleshoot and they wouldn't even give us a database. I'm like, oh, this group was not moving to the cloud. And it's surprising that they did. They totally did. And so, yeah, so when you're the product manager, you need to figure out how is my product going to stay relevant to my customers? What are the things I need to add? You talk to the technical team about what problems do they see in terms of is there things they need to fix to make troubleshooting quicker or for them to you know, respond faster to changes in the market. So it's balancing all those things together. And you kind of grew up in consulting and product, starting with a startup before it was even cool, right? Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. 
I guess I'm curious to hear kind of like maybe what advice you have for folks that are maybe in consulting now and really limited technology experience and just kind of what you'd suggest to someone like that, but wants to make a move to product. Right. So I think if you're interested in getting closer to software and you haven't started that, I would on whatever project you're on, I would just try to be the person who tries to write a query or tries to do some analysis so you can get closer to the programmers. A lot of software is breaking down a problem into patterns, and then we can code stuff to respond to those patterns. So I think a lot of consultants probably have the right mentality to solve those kind of problems. And so it's always good if you want to just take a coding class on your own, or there's a lot of tools online like Codecademy. Um, there's a lot of free just software training stuff online now, which wasn't the case 20 years ago. Okay. And what would you recommend in terms of like a language? Because I think that's where a lot of folks maybe like slip up to. It's like, I'm going to learn to code, right? And then it's like, uh, should I do Python? Should I do drop? Like, what would you recommend there? It kind of depends. I see a lot of people really getting into like the data analysis side. And so I think it depends what interests you, right? Like Python, it'd be more on the website side. <laughs> and so, but most business systems aren't. Python that I've seen. It's more JavaScript or Node. But, you know, you could start with Python if you wanted. There's a lot of languages. A lot of other big companies are really into the .NET suite, the Microsoft products. And I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this question, and maybe it's a bad one, but I want to ask it for my own edification. But could you maybe tell us a little bit more about like, okay, each of the different high level languages and kind of what are their applications and why they're interesting? I'm not probably the best one because I haven't like coded as my job in okay. many years. I've been managing developers and it changes. Honestly, we've hired people lately from one technology stack into ours and they didn't, if they're a good person, a good thinker and have a lot of knowledge about one language or tool set, they're going to adapt well into the next stack. So that's not really a barrier. It's really about thinking procedurally and being able to break down a problem. You know, there's all those jokes online about developers just Google the answer all the time. You know, <laughs> you go to Stack Overflow, get the syntax. And that's the thing. It's not the syntax that's going to trip you up. It's solving the problem in the right way. Okay, and that's probably why then consulting makes a good training round too for product managers or product leaders. Is that right? Yeah, and I think the big consulting skill I think that's going to help you in a product role is understanding the customer and really having conversations with the customer to figure out what the problem is. It's expensive to build software, and so we want to make sure we're building the right thing. And if you read all the product management literature of the last 10 years, it's really focused on how do you figure out if you're building the right thing or not. And the first step in that is understanding your market, understanding people's problems. And as you know from consulting, they don't always tell you what the problem is. You have to figure it out and spend some time with them and watch what they're doing. And you sort of can figure out what the problem is by spending time with them and asking the right questions. That's such a great point. And we've heard this time and time again. It's like the best product managers or product leaders, right, spend an inordinate amount of time just talking to customers, right? What they don't like, what they do like, right? And I don't want to say it's like a sales role, but like the best ones are almost like overly obsessed with talking to customers from what I've, you know, kind of understood. Definitely. Very good. And then I guess the other thing that I'm curious about is 
where do you feel like maybe consulting didn't prepare you well for a career in technology? Where are the gaps and how would you go about filling them? I don't know. I had a pretty good time in consulting. I think I learned some good skills. Yeah. When I think back, like, because I was pretty junior when I was in consulting, I remember getting thrown into some projects where things were breaking every day and we had to go to the client and explain why we needed two more days to work on a problem. And it was pretty stressful times, but we pulled it out and we figured it out. And I feel like those skills of figuring it out and getting it done, which is top of the line in consulting, those skills have served me well to this day. Oh, very good. That's good to hear. And I guess last thing, Maria, we are continuously building a library for our listeners of just books that have had an impact on the guests on the show's life. It can be anything from a children's book to a business book. Just wanted to see if there was any books that have had a profound impact on your life. Okay, so a recommendation if you're trying to be a product manager would be it's called Inspired. It's by Marty Kagan. Okay. And there's a lot of good tips if you're interested in product management there. And then just a personal recommendation for personal productivity. It's kind of an oldie but goodie. It's called Getting Things Done yep. by David Allen. I don't know if you've used that, but great book. I've even yeah. in the last couple of years with building our team at Data Gumbo, taken a lot of those ideas and spread them out to the team a little bit, just in terms of how we run meetings and how we log things and keep track of things. It's really made the team really productive. So I refer back to that from time to time. Awesome. No, I love that. I'm going to check out Inspired too. I, I didn't, I'm always looking for resources on learning more about product management just because it's not something I know an incredible amount about. So, well, and if you like podcasts, there's a good podcast on product management called Product Thinking. Okay. Done by Melissa Perry. And that's good, especially, you know, if you just want 20 minutes a week or so. Yeah. Okay. And she does a good QA. There's a lot of people who write in and say, like, how do I get into that kind of role? So she's got a lot of good advice on that too. Oh, cool. I will definitely check that out. And I'll add that in the link below. Speaking of the link below, if folks were interested in learning more about Data Gumbo, where should they go? Yeah, they can check out our website, datagumbo.com, or they can hit me up on LinkedIn. All right. Sounds good. And just because some of our listeners won't have the visual, just only the audio, but it's going to be Maria, M-A-R-I-A, and then Onofro, which is spelled... Oh, go ahead. O-N-U-F-R-O-W. Awesome. And then lastly, for those of you listening for the first time, please make sure to subscribe so that you're notified of future episodes on either Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. And if you're looking for transcripts on past episodes, it's going to be beyondconsulting.info. And then lastly, if you want to get in touch with me or anybody else at our firm, it's going to be eca-partners.com. Each week, I get to interview guests that have started a career in consulting and gone on to do really interesting things with their lives and their careers. Maria, thank you so much for joining us. For everyone else, I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.